Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 15 and 16. Now before we go into the recap, I'm very sorry that I keep missing the times that I say that I will upload on. And as I said before, I am trying my best to upload every week almost. And sometimes I am missing that Saturday deadline. So I will try my best to upload sometime this week, sometimes every weekend. I will try my best to upload either Saturday or Sunday. I deeply apologize for this inconvenience. I know you all are waiting and some have been requesting for me to upload twice a week, but I simply am very busy for that and I genuinely cannot have i do not have the time to upload twice a week but if i ever do get some free time then i will definitely try my best to upload possibly that day and yes i again i deeply apologize for this inconvenience and yes i will try to upload every weekend if or from either saturday or sunday now without further ado let's on on with the recap so last last episode we read chapters 13 and 14 and we found out that jason is the son of zeus and of course he's the only one by himself he's the only one sleeping in that cabin because the big three if you don't recall had made a pact on not having any children well that pact was broken and Jason and Percy and Talia had all been born. And as well, possibly Nico and Bianca. Well, Bianca is no more, but Nico, uh, they all were part of the broken promise of the big three. And because of that, Jason and was the only one sleep is the only one sleeping in his cabin. And Percy, when Tyson is not around, is also the only one sleeping in his cabin. As well as Nico, if he ever decides to sleep at the camp, he would also be the only one sleeping at his cabin. So yes, Jason found out that he was... He is the son of Zeus, and as well as he is the sister of Talia. He found out that he, he through some clues, he found he pieced together that he is the son the, of Zeus and also the sister of Talia, and that his last name is Grace. So now he's finally starting to piece everything together and starting to figure out who he is and possibly what his past was. But we will not be able to find further details of that for now because chapter 15 will be about Piper's perspective and possibly chapter 16. So without further ado, on with the show. Chapter 15, Piper. Piper woke up and immediately grabbed a mirror. There were plenty of those in the Aphrodite cabin. She sat on her bunk, looked at her reflection, and groaned. She was still gorgeous. Last night after the campfire, she tried everything. She messed up her hair, washed the makeup off her face, cried to make her eyes red. Nothing worked. Her hair popped back to perfection. The magic makeup reapplied itself. Her eyes refused to get puffy or bloodshot. She would have changed clothes, but she had nothing to change into. The other Aphrodite campers offered her some, laughing behind her back, she was sure. But each outfit was even more fashionable and ridiculous than what she had on. 
Now, after a horrible night's sleep, still no change. Piper normally looked like a zombie in the morning, but her hair was styled like a supermodel's and her skin was perfect. Even that horrible zit at the base of her nose, which she'd called for so many days she started to call it Bob, had disappeared. She growled in frustration and raked her fingers through her hair. No use. The dude just popped back into place. She looked like Cherokee Barbie. From across the room, Drew called, Oh, honey, it won't go away. Her voice dripped with false sympathy. Mom's blessing will last at least another day, maybe a week if you're lucky. Piper gritted her teeth. A week? The other Aphrodite kids, about a dozen girls and five guys, smirked and snickered at her discomfort. Piper knew she should play cool, not let them get under her skin. She dealt with shallow, popular kids plenty of times, but this was different. These were her brothers and sisters. Even if she had nothing in common with them, and how Aphrodite had managed to have so many kids so close in age, never mind. She didn't want to know. Don't worry, hun. Drew blotted her fluorescent lipstick. You're thinking you don't belong here? We couldn't agree more. Isn't that right, Mitchell? One of the guys flinched. Um, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Drew took out her matte mascara and checked her lashes. Everyone else watched, not daring to speak. So anyways, people, 15 minutes until breakfast. The cabin's not going to clean itself, and Mitchell, I think you've learned your rest lesson. Right, sweetie? So you're on garbage patrol just for today, okay? Show Piper how it's done, because I have a feeling she'll have that job soon, if she survives her quest. Now get to work, everybody. It's my bathroom time. Everybody started rushing around, making beds and folding clothes. While Drew screw scooped up her makeup kit, hair dryer, and brush and marched into the bathroom. Someone inside yelped and a girl about 11 was kicked out, hastily wrapped in towels with shampoo still in her hair. The door slammed shut and the girl started to cry. A couple of older campers comforted her and wiped the bubbles out of her hair. Seriously? Piper said to no one in particular. You let Drew treat you like this? A few kids shot Piper nervous looks, like they might actually agree, but they said nothing. The campers kept wor working, though Piper couldn't see why the cabin needed much cleaning. It was a life-size dollhouse. With pink walls and white window trim, the lace curtains were pastel blue and green, which of course matched the sheets and feather comforters on all the beds. The guys had one row of bunks separated by a curtain. But their section of the cabin was just as neat and or as orderly as the girls. Something was definitely unnatural about that. Every camper had a wooden camp chest at the foot of their bunk with their name painted on it. And Piper guessed that the clothes in each chest were neatly folded and color-coordinated. The only bit of individualism was how the campers decorated their private bunk spaces. Each had slightly different pictures tacked up of whatever the celebrities they thought were hot. A few had personal photos too, but most were actors or singers or whatever. Piper hoped she might not see the poster. It had almost been a year since the movie, and she thought by now surely everyone had torn, torn down those old tattered advertisements and tacked up something newer. But no such luck. She spotted one on the wall by the storage closet in the middle of a collage of famous heartthrobs. The title was Lurid Red, King of Sparta. Under that, the poster showed the leading man, a three-quarter shot of bare-chested bronze flesh with rigged pectorals and six-pack six abs. 
He was clad in only a Greek-worn kilt and a purple cape, sworn sword in hand. He looked like he'd just been rubbed in oil, his short black hair gleaming in rivulets of sweat pouring off his rugged face, those dark, sad eyes facing to the camera as if to say, I will kill your men and steal your woman. Ha ha! It was the most ridiculous poster of all time. Piper and her dad had had a good laugh over the, it the first time they saw it. Then the movie made a bajillion dollars. The poster graphic popped up everywhere. Piper couldn't get away from it at school, walking down the street, even online. It became the poster. The most embarrassing thing in her life. And yeah, it was a picture of her dad. She turned away so no one would think she was staring at it. Maybe when everyone went to break breakfast, she could break breakfast, she could tear it down and they wouldn't notice. She tried to look busy, but she didn't have any extra clothes to fold. She straightened her bed, then realized the top blanket was the one Jason had wrapped around her shoulders last night. She picked it up and pressed it to her face. It smelled of wood smoke, but unfortunately not of Jason. He was the only person who'd been genuinely nice to her after the claiming. Like he cared about how she felt, not just about her stupid new clothes. God, she'd want to kiss him, but he seemed so uncomfortable, almost scared of her. She couldn't really blame him. She'd been glowing pink. Excuse me, said a voice by her feet. Said a voice by her feet. The garbage patrol guy, Mitchell, Mitchell was crawling around on all fours, picking up chocolate wrappers and crumpled notes from under the bunk beds. Apparently, the Aphrodite kids weren't 100% neat freaks after all. She moved out of his way. What'd you do to make Drew mad? He glanced over at the bathroom door to make sure it was still closed. Last night, after you were claimed, I said you might not be so bad. It wasn't much of a compliment, but Piper was stunned. An Aphrodite kid had actually stood up for her? Thanks, she said. Mitchell shrugged. Yeah, well, see where it got me. But for what it's worth, welcome to cabin 10. A girl with blonde pigtails and braces raced up with her with a pile of clothes in her arms. She looked all, all she looked around furtively like she was delivering nuclear materials. I brought you these, she whispered. Piper, meet Lacey, Mitchell said, still crawling around on the floor. Hi, Lacey said breathlessly. You can change clothes. The blessing won't stop you. This is just, you know, a backpack, some rations, ambrosia, and nectar for emergencies. Uh, some jeans, a few extra shirts, and a warm jacket. The boots might be a little snug, but, uh, well, we took up a collection. Good luck on your quest. Lacey dumped the things on the bed and started to hurry away, but Kai Piper caught her arm. Hold on. At least let me thank you. Why are you rushing off? Lacey looked like she might shake apart from nervousness. Oh, well, Drew might find out, Mitchell explained. I might have to wear the shoes of shame, Lacey gulped. The what? Piper asked. Lacey and Mitchell both pointed to a black shelf mounted in the corner of the room like an altar. Displayed on it were a hideous pair of orthopedic nurse's shoes. Bright white with thick soles. I had to wear them for a week once. Lacey whimpered. They don't go with anything. And they're worse punishments, Mitchell warned. Drew can charm speak, see. Not many Aphrodite kids have that power. But if she tries hard enough, she can get you to do some pretty embarrassing things, Piper. 
You're the first person I've seen in a long time who's able to resist her. Charm speak. Piper remembered last night. The way the crowd at the campfire had swayed back and forth between Drew's opinions and hers. You mean like you could talk someone into doing things? Or giving your things like a car? Oh, don't give Drew any ideas. Drew gasped. But yeah, Mitchell said she could do with that. She could do that. So that's why she's a head counselor, Piper said. She convinced you all? Mitchell picked a nasty wad of gum from under Piper's bed. Nah, she inherited the post when Selena Beauregard died in the war. Drew was second oldest. Oldest camper automatically gets the post. Unless somebody with more years or more completed quests wants to challenge. In which case, there's a duel. But that hardly ever happens. Anyway, we've been stuck with Drew in charge since August. She decided to make some uh, changes in the way the cabin is run. Yes, I did. Suddenly, Drew was there, leaning against the bunk. Lacey squeaked like a guinea pig and tried to run, but Drew put an arm out to stop her. She looked down at Mitchell. I think you missed some trash, sweetie. You'd better make another pass. Piper glanced toward the bathroom and saw that Drew had dumped everything from the bathroom waste bin. Some pretty nasty things all over the floor. Mitchell sat up on his haunches. He glared at Drew like he was about to attack, which Piper would have paid money to see. But finally, he snapped. Fine. Drew smiled. See, Piper, hun, we're a good cabin here. A good family. Selena Beauregard, though. You could take a warning from her. She was secretly passing information to Kronos and the Titan War. Helping the enemy? Drew smiled all sweet and innocent, with her glittery pink makeup and her blow-dried hair lush and smelling like nutmeg. She looked like any popular teenage girl from any high school, but her eyes were as cold as steel. Piper got the feeling Drew was looking straight into her soul, pulling out her secrets. Helping the enemy. Oh, none of the other cabins talk about it, Drew confided. They act like Selena Beauregard was a hero. She sacrificed her life to make things right. Mitchell grumbled. She was a hero. Mm-hmm, Drew said. Another day on Garbage Patrol, Mitchell. But anyways, Selena lost track of what this cabin is about. We match up cute couples at camp. Then we break them apart and start over. It's the best fun ever. We don't have any business getting involved in other stuff like wars and quests. I certainly haven't been on any quests. They're a waste of time. Lacey raised her hand nervously. But, but last night you said you wanted to go on a... Drew glared at her and Lacey's voice died. Most of all, Drew continued, We certainly don't need our image tarnished by spies, do we, Piper? Piper tried to answer, but she couldn't. There was no way Drew could know about her dreams of her dad kid- or her dad's kidnapping, was there? It's too bad you, wouldn't- you won't be around, Drew sighed. But if you survive your little quest, don't worry. I'll find someone, somebody to match up with you. Maybe one of those gross Hephaestus guys? Or Clovis? He's pretty repulsive. Drew looked at her over with a mix of pity and disgust. Honestly, I didn't think it was possible for Aphrodite to have an ugly child, but... Who was your father? Was he some sort of mutant or... Tristan McLean! Piper snapped. As soon as she said it, she hated herself. She never, ever played the famous dad card. But Drew had driven her over the edge. My dad's Tristan McLean.
The stunned silence was gratifying for a few seconds, but Piper felt ashamed of herself. Everybody turned and looked at the poster, her dad flexing his muscles for the whole world to see. Oh my god! Half the girls screamed at once. Sweet! A guy said. The dude with the sword who killed that other dude in that movie? He's so hot for an old guy, a girl said, and then she blushed. I mean, I'm sorry. I know he's your dad. That's so weird. It's weird, all right, Piper agreed. Do you think you could get me his autograph? Another girl asked. Piper forced a smile. She couldn't say, if my dad survives. Yeah, no problem, she managed. The girl squealed in excitement, and more kids surged forward, asking a dozen questions at once. Have you been or ever been on a set? Do you live in a mansion? Do you have lunch with movie stars? Have you had your rite of passage? That one caught Piper off guard. Rite of passage? She asked. The girls and guys giggled and shoved each other around like this was an embarrassing topic. The rite of passage for an Aphrodite child, one explained. You get someone someone to love, fall in love with you, then you break their heart, dump them. Once you do that, you've proven yourself worthy of Aphrodite. Piper stared at the crowd to see if they were joking. Break someone's heart on purpose? That's terrible. The others looked confused. Why? A guy asked. Oh my god, a girl said. I bet Aphrodite broke your dad's heart. I bet he never loved anyone again, did he? That's so romantic. When you have your rite of passage, you can be just like mom. Forget it. Piper yelled a little louder than she'd attended. The other kids backed away. I'm not breaking somebody's heart just for a stupid rite of passage. Which of course gave Drew a chance to take back control. Well, there you go. She cut in. Selena said the same thing. She broke the tradition, fell in love with that Beckendorf boy, and stayed in love. If you ask me, that's why things ended tragically for her. That's not true! Lacey squeaked, but Drew glared at her and she immediately melted back into the crowd. Hardly matters, Drew continued. Because Piper, hun, you couldn't break anyone's heart anyway. And this nonsense about your dad being Tristan McLean? That's so begging for attention. Several of the kids blinked uncertainly. You mean he's not her dad? One asked. Drew rolled her eyes. Please, now it's time for breakfast, people, and Piper here has to start that little quest. So let's get her packed and get her out of here. Drew broke up the crowd and got everyone moving. She called him hun and dear, but her tone made it clear she expected to be obeyed. Mitchell and Lacey helped Piper pack. They even guarded the bathroom while Piper went in and changed into a better traveling outfit. The hand-me-downs weren't fancy, thank God. Just well-worn jeans, a t-shirt, a comfortable winter coat, and hiking boots that fit perfectly. She, tr- she strapped her dagger, dagger catoptrus, to, to, to her belt. When Piper came out, she felt almost normal again. The other campers were standing at their bunks while Drew came around and inspected. Piper turned to Mitchell and Lacey and Mouth. Thank you. Mitchell nodded grimly. Lacey flashed a full brace smile. Piper doubted Drew had ever thanked them for anything. She had also noticed that the King of Sparta poster had been wadded up and thrown in the trash. Drew's orders, no doubt. Even though Piper had wanted to take down the poster herself, now she was totally steamed. When Drew spotted her, she clapped in mock mock applause. Very nice. Our little quest girl all dressed in dumpster clothes again. Now off you go. No need to eat breakfast with us. Good luck with... Whatever. 
Bye. Piper shouldered her bag. She could feel everyone else's eyes on her as she walked to the door. She could just leave and forget about it. That would have been the easy thing. What did she care about this cabin? These shallow kids. Except that some of them had tried to help her. Some of them had even stood up to Drew for her. She turned at the door. You know, you all don't have to follow Drew's orders. The other kids shifted. Several glanced at Drew, but she looked too stunned to respond. Um, one managed. She's our head counselor. She's a tyrant, Piper corrected. You can think for yourselves. There's got to be more to Aphrodite than this. More than this, one kid echoed. Think for ourselves, a second people, a second muttered. People, Drew screeched. Don't be stupid. She's charm speaking you. No, Piper said. I'm just telling the truth. At least Piper thought that was the case. She didn't understand exactly how this charm-speaking business worked, but she didn't feel like she was putting any special power into her words. She didn't want to win an argument by tricking people. That would make her no better than Drew. Piper simply meant what she said. Besides, if she tried charm-speaking, she had a feeling it wouldn't work very well on another charm-speaker like Drew. Drew sneered at her. You may have a little power, Miss Movie Star, but you don't know the first thing about Aphrodite. You have such great ideas. What do you think about this cabin is about then? Tell them. Then maybe I'll tell a few things about you, huh? Piper wanted to make a withering retort, but her anger turned to panic. She was a spy for the enemy, just like Selena Beauregard. An Aphrodite traitor. Did Drew know that know about that? Or was she bluffing? Under Drew's glare, her confidence began to crumble. Not this. Piper managed. Aphrodite is not about this. Then she turned and stormed out before the others could see her blushing. Behind her, Drew started laughing. Not this? Hear that, people? She doesn't have a clue. Piper promised herself she would never, ever go back to that cabin. She blinked away, her tears, and her stormed across the green, not sure where she was going, until she saw the dragon swooping down from the sky. That's the end of chapter 15. Drew is certainly annoying, I must say, and I really do hope that Piper is able to take her down once and for all because, you know, they all should be united and decide to, like, fight because if another war, like, the Titan Wars comes up again, then everyone needs to be united, and if you have people like Drew who are only bent on making people follow their orders and doesn't really care about helping the entire camp and just cares about their own good then the camp won't be unified in a way right because technically since drew has charm speaking skills she technically can control that entire cabin well if piper intervenes unless piper intervenes but other than that drew really is the head counselor she's really the head of that entire cabin because she can she can make everyone listen to her but i really do hope that drew decides to change herself or is at a point where she is forced to change herself because that kind of behavior is just really annoying and nobody really appreciates it. But we'll, after this chapter, we'll see what that dragon swooping down uh, was meaning. And after this break, we'll read chapter 16 again from Piper's perspective. Um, and we'll figure out what that dragon business was and how this quest will go possibly. So after the break, we'll read chapter 16, Piper. And 
And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 16. Piper. Leo? She yelled. Sure enough, there he was, sitting on top of a giant bronze death machine and grinning like a lunatic. Even before he landed, the camp alarm went up. A conch horn blew. All the satyrs started screaming, Don't kill me! Half the camp ran outside in a mixture of pajamas and armor. The dragon sat down right in the middle of the green, and Leo yelled, It's so cool! It's cool! Don't shoot! Hesitantly, the archers lowered their bows. The warriors backed away, keeping their spears and swords ready. They made a loose, wide ring around the metal monster. Other demigods hid behind their cabin doors or peeped out the windows. Nobody seemed anxious to get close. Piper couldn't blame them. The dragon was huge. It glistened in the morning sun like a living penny sculpture. Different shades of copper and brown, bronze. A 60-foot-long serpent with steel talon, talon, ta- talons and drill-bit teeth and glowing ruby eyes. It had bad shaped it had bad it had bad shaped wings twice its length and that unfurled like metallic sails, making a sound like coins cascading out of a slot machine every time they flapped. It's beautiful, Piper muttered. The other's demigod stared at her like she was insane. The dragon reared its head and shot a column of fire into the sky. Campers scrambled away and hefted their weapons, but Leo slid calmly off the dragon's back. He held up his hands like he was surrendering, except he still had that crazy grin on his face. "'People of Earth, I come in peace,' he shouted. He looked like he'd been rolling around in the campfire. His army coat and his face was smear- were smeared with suit. His hands were grease-stained, and he wore a new tool belt around his waist. His eyes were bloodshot. His curly hair was so oily it stuck up in porcupine quills, and he smelled strangely of Tabasco sauce, but he looked absolutely delighted.' Festus is just saying hello. That thing is dangerous, an Ares girl, girl shouted, brandishing her spear. Kill it now! Stand down! Someone ordered. To Piper's surprise, it was Jason. He pushed through the crowd, flanked by Annabeth and that girl from the Festus cabin, Nyssa. Jason gazed up at the dragon and shook his head in amazement. Leo, what have you done? Found a ride! Leo beamed. You said I could go on a quest if I got you a ride. Well, I got you a Class A metallic flying bad boy. Festus can take us anywhere. It has wings, Nissa stammered. Her jaw looked like it might drop off her face. Yeah, Leo said. I found them and reattached them. But it never had wings. Where did you find them? Leo hesitated and Piper could tell he was hiding something. In the woods, he said. Repaired his circuits, too, mostly, so no more problems with him going haywire. Mostly? Nissa asked. The dragon's head twitched. It tilted to one side, and a stream of black liquid, maybe oil, hopefully just oil, poured out of its ear all over Leo. Just a few kinks to work out, Leo said. But how did you survive? Nissa said. Nissa was still staring at the creature in awe. I mean, the fire breath... I'm quick, Leo said, and lucky. Now am I on this quest or what? Jason scratched his head. You named him Festus? You know that in Latin, Festus means happy. You want us to ride off to the safe the world on Happy the Dragon? The dragon twitched and shuddered and flapped his wings. That's a yes, bro, Leo said. Now, um, I really suggest we get going, guys. I already picked up some supplies in, um, in the woods. 
And all these people with weapons are making Festus nervous. Jason frowned. But we haven't planned anything yet. We can't just go, Ambit said. She was the only one who didn't look nervous at all. Her expression was sad and wistful, like this reminded her of better times. Jason, you've only got three days until the solstice now, and you should never keep a nervous dragon waiting. This is certainly a good omen. Go! Jason nodded, then he smiled at Piper. You ready, partner? Piper looked at the bronze dragon wings, shining against the sky and those talons that could have shredded her to pieces. You bet, she said. Flying on the dragon was the most amazing experience ever, Piper thought. Up high, the air was freezing cold, but the dragon's metal high generated so much heat it was like they were flying in a protective bubble. Talk about seat warmers! And the grooves in the dragon's back were designed like high-tech saddles, so they weren't uncomfortable at all. Leo showed them how to hook their feet into the sh- in the chinks of the armor like in stirrups, and use the leather safety harness- harnesses clear- cleverly cut- concealed under the exterior plating. They sat single file, Leo in front, then Piper, then Jason. And Piper was aware, very aware of Jason be- right behind her. She wished he would hold on to her, maybe wrap his arms around her waist. But sadly, he didn't. Leo used the reins to steer the dragon into the sky like he'd been doing all his life. The metal wings worked perfectly, and soon the coast of Long Island was just a hazy line behind them. They shot over Connecticut and climbed into the gray winter clouds. Leo grinned back at them. Cool, right? What if we get spotted? Piper asked. The mist, Jason said. It keeps mortals from seeing magic things. If they spot us, they'll probably mistake us from a small plane or something. Piper glanced over her shoulder. You sure about that? No, he admitted. Then Piper saw he was clutching a photo in his hand, a picture of a girl with dark hair. She gave Jason a quizzical look, but he blushed and put the photo in his pocket. We're making good time. Probably get there by tonight. Piper wondered who the girl in the picture was, but she didn't want to ask. And if Jason didn't volunteer the information, that wasn't a good sign. Had he remembered something about his life before? Was that a photo of his real girlfriend? Stop it, she thought. You'll just torture yourself. She asked a safer question. Where are we heading? To find the god of the north wind, Jason said, and chase some sort of storm spirits. That's the end of chapter 16. Pretty short chapter, I must just say, but... Hopefully their quest in first finding the north, the um, god of the north wind and also possibly getting some answers from the storm spirits might help them in some way. And having three days until the solstice is seems like a really short time, but as, as we've seen in the previous books, it seems like an, a, a possible feat for uh, the demigods, and hopefully they'll be able to complete it in time. Now, before we end off the podcast, I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 17 and then end the podcast and we will possibly, we'll probably, I'll probably, uh, we will upload a, I will upload a episode on the rest of the chapter next week. So without further ado, chapter 17, Leo. Leo was totally buzzing. The expression on everyone's face when he flew the dragon into camp, priceless. He thought his cabin moods were going to bust a lug nut. Festus had been awesome too. He hadn't blowtorched a single cabin or eaten any satyrs, even if he dribbled a little oil from his ear. Okay, a lot of oil. Leo could work on that later. 
So maybe Leo didn't seize the chance to tell everyone, everybody about Bunker 9 or the flying boat design. He needed some time to think about all that. He could tell them when he came back. If I come back, part of me thought. Nah, he'd come back. He scored a sweet magic tool belt from the bunker, plus a lot of cool supplies now safely stowed in his backpack. Besides, he had a bra- fire-breathing tra- fire breathing, only slightly leaky dragon on his side. What could go wrong? And that's all we're going to read for chapter 17. Next week, we'll read the rest of this. And yeah, I hope, hopefully that dragon, that the oil leakage of the dragon isn't too much of an issue. But yeah, I guess we'll see next week when we read the rest of chapter 17 and chapter 18. Until then, guys, thank you for all you guys do. And thank you for listening to this podcast. And stay safe and stay out of boredom.